I'm concluding today a series that we began three weeks ago called Refresh. And the whole purpose of this series is, well, it's, it's personal. You get to listen in to my own devotions struggles, all the rest of it. I've been very vulnerable in this series about how I felt going into summer and I thought I might have been the only one. Anybody else ever feel like, you know, sometimes you go through a struggle and you're like, I'm the only one. And then I started having conversations with, with a bunch of you and I was like, oh, I, I'm not the only one who felt like in the spring, like, man, I need a holiday. Like, I, I'm like, I was like, I am weary. I am exhausted. I, I need extra time off, and so Joel and I took extra time off, and we were able to get away, which it was very nice to be able to do, finally, to, you know, to actually go somewhere and to get away, uh, and yet we came back from all that, and people were like, how was your holiday? And I was like, it was awesome. It was great to get away. We had a great time with our family, good time, and then they asked this question, are you feeling refreshed? Uh, not really. And I was like, I don't know, like I've done, and, and then you start to panic because you come out of summer and, and fall starts hitting and you get into the regular routine of stuff again. You're like, I'm not ready to run at that pace again. I, I, I'm not feeling completely braced and refreshed and, and excited to get going in, in the regular pace again. Am I the only one? Feeling, yeah, feeling that, that, same, that same battle. And then you start to panic and going, what do we do? And I, I began asking internally and going, what do I, where do I go? What do I need to do? Everything that I know how to do that typically works didn't work the same way. So now what? And in the midst of that, that, that pursuit of what next and what to do, I came across uh, this, these three passages that we're, we've been in this series in, in John 14, 15, and 16. And I'm going to start today in John 16 because it kind of sets up this is the verse that I first read that kind of got my attention, and I was like, ooh, i got to study this out a little bit. Um, it, it's John 16, verse 1. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, These things I have spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling. The thing that got my attention was I feel like I'm stumbling a little bit, stumbling in the dark, feel like you know, not having as much clarity as before, feel like, Feel like, yes, yeah, it's just stumbling with lack of energy, different things. I was like, I've, and yet Jesus says, hey, I'm talking to you guys to keep you from stumbling. I'm paying attention. I, I'm paying attention when he says, okay, here's some insight into what is going to keep you from stumbling. I, I want to pay attention to what he has to say. Now, this conversation is, it started in John 13. This conversation started in the, at, you know, the upper room in the, in the, at the Last Supper, you know, if you don't know or are familiar with the Bible, this is the, the supper that Jesus has on the night he was betrayed, all of that. It's, if you're not familiar with church or the Bible, you're familiar with paintings of the Last Supper. Like this, this is the event, okay? And, and what happens in this event is that Judas leaves the room after they have, have a meal together. G Judas leaves the room. We all know that he was leaving to go betray Jesus and all the rest of it. As he leaves the room, or just after the door closes and he's out, Jesus sits down with his 11, and you can almost sense him going, okay, guys, gather around. This is, this is the pregame talk. This is the pep talk. <laughs> and Jesus starts this pep talk with, I'm leaving. And they're like, uh, no, you can't go. You can't go, Jesus, because... You're the Messiah, and you got some messiahing stuff to do. Like, you, you got, you, Jesus, you, you got, you're the Messiah. 
We've, we believe the Messiah is going to reestablish the throne in Israel and take our independence back and Rome is oppressing us. You're not done. You can't go now. You're not done yet. And they start to panic. To which we picked this up three weeks ago in John 14. John, uh, Jesus says to them, hey, um, don't let this bother you. Trust me. That's how John 14.1 starts. Don't, don't let this bother you. And they're looking around going, don't let this. Too late. Already bothered. Like, Jesus, you can't leave. You're, you're God. You're like, you're the Messiah. You're not done yet. You can't go. And they start to panic. To which Jesus says, hey, trust me. I'm going to send you another helper. And they're like, we don't want another one. You're the one. Like, you raise the dead, you calm the storms, you do all that, that stuff. We don't need another. He's like, no, no, I'm going to send you a helper. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And he goes on to explain the Holy Spirit. And then, then Jesus says something really odd. In John 15, he starts to say, I'm no longer going to be with you, but the helper is going to be in you. And I want you to abide in me and I in you. To which they're thinking, okay, that's just weird. That, that's odd. Like, you no, know, Jesus, you're with us. You know, what are you talking about abiding in us and us in you? That's just, that doesn't make any sense. It's weird because all they're thinking is in the natural. They're not getting and grasping what Jesus is saying. But yet he goes, abide in me and I in you and you're going to bear fruit and all, all that kind of stuff in John 15. And then he gets into John 16 and goes, I'm telling you these things so that you won't stumble. Okay. These things that he's talking about is the Holy Spirit. He's talking about these things is that there's a helper that is your, your advantage. There's a helper that, is, that you have that the world's not going to have. This helper, I'm telling you about him and I'm telling you about these things so that you will not stumble. This is the purpose of the whole thing. And in case we miss what these things are in verse 5, he picks it up and he says, but now I'm going to him who sent me. And then he says this, and none of you ask me where are you going Jesus is so sassy. I, I, I love it. Because this, this, listen, this is what we, we read Bible and we sometimes we read Bible in religious brain. Right? And we, we don't get that Jesus had a sense of humor. Jesus was to the point. We don't get that there's, these are human beings interacting with one another. And sometimes we just put it in religion. This is what Jesus is saying. He says, I've been talking to you guys for a while now, and I said I'm leaving, and not one of you has asked where you're going. You know why Jesus said this? Because he's telling, and this is so convicting. Oh, my goodness, this is so convicting for me. Jesus said, you're not asking where you're going because you're not even thinking about me. You're thinking about yourselves and how it's going to affect you. You didn't even think about me. And it's convicting because I'm like in the midst of, I felt like this was kind of a God smack for me because I was like, I've been, I've been, um, I've been, I've been working my own natural abilities to try to get refreshed and doing all these things. And I've been overwhelmed with circumstance and overwhelmed with feelings and all the, all the craziness of the world, making all the excuses as to what, why I'm feeling like I'm feeling. And in the midst of all that, God's like, come on, I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be doing this for a living. I'm supposed to be, God's like, hey, you're not even thinking about me. Hello, I'm here. I could help. I'm like, oh. Right. 
Because sometimes when we, come on, we're, sometimes we get so into the natural that we forget that we have a helper. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, come on, it's so easy to get critical of the disciples, isn't it? And then you look in the mirror. You're like, oh. It's so easy to get critical for the Pharisees. And, and then you look in the mirror. At least I do. And I'm like, oh, I is one. It's so easy to get critical of the children of Israel who saw, who are being led by a pillar of fire every single day. And yet they're like, God, you've abandoned us. It's so easy. But how many times have I seen miracle after miracle after miracle, but then the next trial comes and I don't think God can get me out of this one. Anybody else? <laughs> Come on, we're human beings. We're, we, we, we have some problems. <laughs> and the biggest problem is us. Jesus says, hey, you're not asking where I'm going, but because I have said these things, you sorrows filled your heart. And he's like, remember I said, trust me. He's like, you're so self-focused. You're not focused on me. Or, like, he's like, eyes on me, guys. Pay attention to me. If you lose sight of me, you're going to be in problems. You've lost, you're already losing sight. He's like, he's like, come on, guys. Then he says this in verse 7. But I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. Now, Jesus said some um, profound things, many profound things. I mean, in his messages and his parables and his talks, no other human being that's ever walked this planet has more recorded words and, and more people remembering and quoting what he said and repeating his speeches and all the rest of it. Jesus had profound things. I mean, a lot of the sayings that we have still today, 2,000 years later, guess where they came from? Jesus had some profound things to say, but this, in my opinion, is his most profound thing he's ever said. Jesus told his disciples, think about this. Jesus told his disciples that it's to their advantage that he not be with them. To which, to which I'm thinking they're, they're probably going not to our advantage. They had a major advantage of Jesus with them. Don't you think? I mean, think about it. They went through a storm that was so bad they were afraid for their lives. This wasn't a, they, these guys weren't amateur sailors. They grew up on the water. Their, their dads were fishermen. They were fishermen. These guys knew the water. They, knew, they've been, they know how to operate boats and how to operate storms. They were afraid for their lives, meaning this is a storm that was threatening their very lives. And in the midst of that, Jesus, they wake Jesus up. He I picture this as he just grumpily, just like irritated, just kind of walks by. You guys woke me up. Gets to the edge of the boat. He's like, peace. Hey, be still. And everything calms down. And he looks around at them and goes, where's your faith? And they're just like. Yeah, they had an advantage of Jesus being their best friend. When one of them dies, four days later, Jesus is like, Lazarus, come out. He walks out. When they got sick, when Peter's mother-in-law got sick, Jesus, talk about marriage help. Like, like whatever your situation, Jesus was there. And now he's saying to them, it's to your advantage that I'm not with you. To which they're looking around and going, 
It doesn't get any better. Like, what are you talking about? They didn't understand then, but here's the thing. I don't think we understand now. Because what Jesus is, Jesus is not just saying this to them. Jesus is saying this to us now today. He's saying, it is better, think about this, it is better that we have the Holy Spirit in us than if Jesus were sitting here on the front row in church right now today attending our church. It's better. Think about that. It's better. It's to our advantage that Jesus is not here physically in the room, but that we have the Holy Spirit. Do you think we underestimate the Holy Spirit? And I'm thinking, I do. And I, I read this, I was like, it's to, it's to our advantage. Wow. And then he says, For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Then he says, verse 12, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. I hate that when people say that. It just irritates me. People are like, I got so much to say. I just, I just can't tell you now. You're not ready for it. What do I think about for the rest? Like, what am I not ready for? Like, like what do you, what do you got to say? Like, what else do you want to know? I'd, like, I'd be, I'd be like, it was, this would drive me crazy. I guarantee you this drove Peter crazy. Like, what, what else do you got? Like, Jesus, like, what do you mean we're not ready? We've been with you for three years. Like, you've already sent us out. We've already healed people. Like, you've seen us. Like, what do you mean we're not ready? And Jesus knew you're not ready. How did, how did we know that they weren't ready? Because this night, right after this three-chapter, four-chapter pep talk, what happens? Jesus gets arrested, and what happens to these guys? <laughs> he says, these things I tell you so that you will not stumble. How long did that last? It didn't even last the hour. Come on. Come on. Before we laugh at them, how many of you, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit this week. How many of you had a week? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you've had a week. And how many of us, me included, tried solving that problem on our own, and then went, oh, wait. And we just preached about it last week, and we can't even get through a week. The disciples couldn't get through an hour. Like, help me, Jesus. Then <laughs> he says this, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Hears from the Father, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. This is what I was talking about last week, is that this is the promise Jesus gave us about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit, this is our advantage, our massive advantage as believers, is that the Holy Spirit will give us insight into what is to come. And here's what I know. I know it's a lot easier to... to to take a blow when you see it coming. It's, it's not the hits that you see coming that knock you out. It's the ones you didn't see coming. Isn't that right? It's the, it's, the, it's the sucker punch. It's the one that you didn't see coming that most likely takes you out. And Jesus says, I am sending you a helper who's going to give you insight into what is to come. So that when you get insight into what is to come, you can either avoid that error or you're going to be able to strengthen up and power up to be able to make it through. That's an advantage. This is why I said last Sunday 
as like we need to yield to the Holy Spirit. Yield, yield sign means to slow down and to see danger coming. To slow down enough to see danger coming and then to see what's coming. And this is what we need to do with the Holy Spirit. We need to slow down enough. Sometimes we just keep trucking. I'm, I'm the personality that will just keep going and keep trucking and keep, and keep doing it and run right over the cliff. And I was like, if I were to slow down, I would have seen the problem coming. And I could I slow down and listen and hear and yield and say, Holy Spirit, what's coming? What's going on? And I think we're in a season. The more, the more uncertain you are about the future, the more you need to yield. To pay attention. Now, like I said, Jesus has this this amazing talk, John 14, 15, 16, and I encourage you just kind of dive in there in your devotion time and just and see all the stuff. Because the reason why Jesus gave us this is so they wouldn't stumble, to keep you from stumbling. And like I said, Jesus gets arrested. They, he leaves this talk. He prays for them. John 17, he goes to the garden. Judas betrays them. They arrested. And where did the disciples go? They, they scattered. Jesus goes to the cross, and only John is recorded as having shown up. When Jesus is hanging on the cross, this is their best friend. They're terrified. They're scared for themselves. They scatter. They're gone. Jesus gets buried, and where do they go? Peter goes back to fishing. They scatter. They go away. Jesus comes back, and they're like, oh, didn't see that coming. And he's like, I told you. I told you I'm leaving and coming back. I told you that three days ago. Oh, we didn't think you meant, like, come on, come on, come on, let's, let's stop mocking them for a second. How many of you got preconceived ideas of what God should do for you? And how many of you has God let down because of your preconceived ideas of how he's supposed to do it? <laughs> and how many of you, like me, have blamed God when he didn't do it the way that I thought he should? Or in the timing he thought, I thought he should? They just, they had a preconceived idea what the Messiah would do. And when he didn't do it that way, they were caught off guard. Even though he was telling them, I, I, I think we need to pay attention. <laughs> and... Yield. So Jesus comes back, and he comes back, and he's like, okay, now you guys get it. Now I can tell you more. Remember he said, I, I, I can't tell you everything. He's like, now I can tell you more. And he starts to tell him more. And before he leaves, he leaves again. He comes back, resurrected, 40 days he spends with them, and after that he ascends into heaven. And in Acts chapter 1, he tells them again the same thing he just told them. In John 14, 15, and 16, he tells them again, and this is what he says, it's recorded for us in Acts 1, verse 4. He says this, Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you heard from me. Heard from me where? In John 14, 15, and 16. He says, he, says, he told them, he's like, hey, okay, I'm going to leave again. And this time they weren't sorrowful. This time they're like, we, we trust you this time. You, you did what you said. Yeah, we, we got you. And they're excited this time they're going. But he says, Jesus said, okay, in your excitement now, wait. Yield. Wait. Hold on. He says, you're, you're going you're gonna to receive the promise. 
And I, I'm wondering, because I'm thinking Peter has to be thinking, and he didn't speak up this time. I think th this is a different trust level. But he's got to be wondering, how will we know? To which Jesus would have replied, oh, you'll know. And then he goes on and he says this, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now it's interesting that Jesus uses the term baptized because the term baptized simply means immersed. That's what baptism means. That's why we at Parallel Church, when we baptize, we baptize and we fully dunk, like fully under. Because the word baptism doesn't mean sprinkle, it means complete immersion. It's, it's immersion. That's what the word means. So when Jesus says, hey, John immersed you with water, but I'm going to immerse you with the Holy Spirit. I'm giving you the full meal deal. I'm fully dunking you. You're going to get the full meal deal, fully immersed in the Holy Spirit. Not a, not a little trickle. You're getting the full meal deal. Then he says this, and when I do, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now wait, Jesus. You said in John that you're no longer going to be with us, but you're going to send the Holy Spirit to be in us. And now you're talking about the Holy Spirit's going to be upon us? Huh? Within, upon. Which one? What is it? And Jesus is like, all of it. And this is what Jesus said. Listen, Jesus said, and we see this throughout the book of Acts. We see how the church gets into all this and what happens with Christianity and all the rest of it, is that, is that when, upon being born again, the Holy Spirit comes in. But there is a separate event that happens called the baptism or the full immersion of the Holy Spirit that happens, and this is when not only the Holy Spirit in, but now the Holy Spirit comes upon. And we see that. We see them get saved in, in the book of Acts. We see them get baptized in water, and then all of a sudden we see them getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and what happens? They, 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 get, they get boldness at a whole nother level. Just what Jesus promised. You will receive power when you get baptized, immersed in the Holy Spirit. And then he says to them, I want you to wait until you get the Holy Spirit upon. You have the, when I leave, you'll have the Holy Spirit in. But I want you to wait until you get the upon. Why? I'm going to invite Jen to come up here. But now, basically what Jesus said, he, he prepared them for three years. He prepared them for three years for the assignment of, of building his church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. This is a daunting task. These, are, these fishermen, I mean, tax collectors, who are these guys to build the church? Like, who are they? And Jesus said, I'm, I'm tasking you with the responsibility to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm tasking with assignment to chop down an entire redwood forest. Like, this is how big it is. It's at this scope. Like, I, this is the assignment. You're going to topple Rome. You're going you're gonna to change the world. This is your assignment, Peter. You fishermen, John fisherman, Matthew tax collector. And they're like, we're going to do what? I'm giving you a big assignment. And he says, I want you to wait because if you don't wait, you're going to have to chop down that forest with this tool. And if you have to use this tool to chop down that forest, you're going to get weary. You're going to get exhausted. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to give up and quit. Because you don't have the right tool. 
And I'm looking at this tool and I'm going, this has been my summer. I've been exhausted and going, this is what, this is not, I'm putting all the effort in and working and going, I just got to go faster (laughs) to make it work. Okay, I got to take a break. (sighs) Meanwhile, Jesus is saying, hey, what are you doing? I've given you an advantage. Power. It's still a daunting task, especially with this size of blade. It's still a daunting task, but how many know if this is my assignment, I'd prefer the power. And Jesus says, hey, wait, 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 don't rush ahead because I don't want you to quit and give up. Wait until you receive the promise. And when you get the promise, go to town. Go to work. Thank you very much. Now, here's the thing. When I, or just some of you are even, you know, you've been raised in church, you've been around church a little bit, and even me bringing up the Holy Spirit makes us a little uncomfortable. And here's why. Here's, here's why. I think we underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit. I think the devil has seen the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he's done whatever he can to minimize in our own minds and to minimize the power of the Holy Spirit. And religion, religion doesn't know how to work with the Holy Spirit. And so what happens is, is religion can't handle that kind of power. And so what happens, we, what we do as human beings, because we're flawed, is we will take that chainsaw instead of taking it to a redwood tree, like instead of taking it to a tree, we'll take that chainsaw and we start doing all the cutting in our own house. And we start making a mess in our own house and going, this is where the Holy Spirit, and it's weird. Nobody else seen this? Come on. The Holy, the Holy Spirit, we get weird because we're using the tool for the wrong purpose. It's not that the Holy Spirit is weird. We're weird. And we're misusing the gift. It's not meant to be used in the house. They received the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2. Did they ever go back to the upper room? Got really quiet in here, Pastor. Come on. But here's the thing. Because some people have abused the power, Eyes won. I got weird. Because some people have abused the power, others have run from it. And here's what I'm saying. I'm saying the Holy Spirit is a person. That's what we've learned in this series. This is what Jesus promised. The Holy Spirit is God in us. Something the world doesn't know or doesn't understand. And it's for all of us as believers The Holy Spirit is a promise. Jesus was the promise of Emmanuel, God with us. The Holy Spirit is the promise of God in us. The Holy Spirit is peace. He's wholeness. Nothing missing, nothing broken. The Holy Spirit is a push. Daddy, I need a push. 
And the Holy Spirit is power. Power. Smith Wigglesworth said it this way. He's, he's telling all believers, he says, enter into the promises of God. It is your inheritance. And this is what he's, he's saying this to all of us. If you're a believer, the Holy Spirit is a promise of God that is your inheritance. Then he says this, you will do more in one year if you really are filled with the Holy Spirit than you could in 50 years apart from him. By the way, who's Smith Wigglesworth? He's a guy who did nothing for the first 80 years of his life except for he was a plumber. He didn't do much. And then all of a sudden he got filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know what he did? Oh, he raised his wife from the dead. Like, like really, like she, she, she died and he's mourning and he got frustrated and he picked her up, picked up her body, talk about bullets, he picked up her body and slammed it against a wall and said, come back! And she did. You know what she did? Slapped him. And she says to him, do you know where I was? And after they conversed for a while, he laid her back down on the bed and said, okay, I'll be okay. You can go if you need to go. And she left and she went. And then in his 80s, he started revival and, and healings and miracles and all the rest of it. And so when he says, you can do more in one year with the Holy Spirit than you can in 50 without. This is a man who's got experience. And what I'm saying is this. What I'm saying is this. Is that I've been trying too much, too long in the natural. And I think all of us have. And the reason why we're weary and we're tired and all the rest of it is because we've been trying to chop down the forest with a handsaw. When we have a promised advantage the Holy Spirit, that is a gift for all of us, all of us. And really, what I've come to the conclusion of is that ultimately our strength and our refresh when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, I guess what I'm saying is that it's really a battle of priorities. It's a battle of surrender. It's a battle of worship. Here's what I mean, is that it's so easy as human beings to give priority to our feelings. It's so easy to give priority or preference or elevate our circumstances. It's so easy to, to, to elevate the next self-help, the next solve, the next whatever, and to elevate that and, and do that. And here's the thing. This is, what I, this is today's takeaway, and I want you to get this. We need to get this, that all of our problems are worship problems. All of our problems are worship problems. It's when we misprioritize and missurrender. Here's, here's what worship is. Worship just simply means to elevate above. And when we elevate our feelings above God's promises, we get into trouble. When we surrender to our circumstances until, instead of God's promises, we get into trouble. And we get weary and we get tired. And listen, we sang it this morning. When you start to believe what you think above your, about yourself, above what God thinks about you, I am who God says I am. Not what I feel I am. 
Not what others say I am. I am who God says I am. If I surrender to what everybody else says about me, I'm elevating, I'm worshiping, I'm, I'm surrendering to what they're telling me above what God says. That all of our problems are worship problems. Worship isn't the way to overcome the battle. It is the battle. And by the way, worship, worship is not singing some songs. Worship is saying, God, you're above. And yet when we worship, when we sing songs and we, and we elevate God, all the songs that we're singing is, I speak Jesus over the circumstance. I speak Jesus over fear. I speak Jesus over anxiety. I speak Jesus over my family. I speak Jesus because I, what I'm doing is I'm elevating God above my feelings, my circumstances. That's what it is. And for us to get a refresh, what we need to do is we need to get back into worship and saying, God, no, 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 no. God, you're above. I place you above. I'm looking to you for a refresh. I'm looking to you for a push. I'm looking for you for the power. I believe what you say rather than what I feel. That's refresh. That's what Jesus promised with the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for the gift of the Holy Spirit. God, forgive me for minimizing that advantage, for forgetting who you are, forgetting that you're in me, Lord, looking for help around when the entire time you're in, the helper, the comforter, the power, the strength, the fire. God, we surrender to you again. Help us to see who you are, really. In Jesus' name, amen.